Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Doug Peters, and along with me today from the Zamboni Company is Marty Elliott and Paula Cooney. Our guest on today's episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts is David Clutho, veteran SI photographer. Today we're going to be talking about his career and his photography skills. Welcome, David, and thanks for joining us. It's nice to be here. Trying to learn a little bit about yourself, can you tell our listeners where you grew up? In St. Louis, Missouri, and still here, and still here, basically. So you get to enjoy all that great food that's on the hill in the St. Louis area, then, don't you? Yes, yes, a lot of a lot of pasta. It's bad for you, but it's good for you. Great. Can you tell our listeners when you knew that you wanted to be a professional photographer? Well, my uncle had a a, a an exacta camera with all the dials and bells and whistles, and I was just enamored over like, look at this thing, and I I, I just was interested in the the mechanics of it and whatnot. And then in 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 eighth grade, my you know my mom had suggested I go to a uh, a a course they were offering at the local high school. I was in eighth grade or just finished eighth grade, and I took this course and and got got hooked on it. Was a summer school course. And my uncle's friend uh, that he plays tennis with had an extra camera he was selling. So I bought a Pentex, like, screw mount lens camera, and I was off and running. And that was, you know, the, right before I went into high school. And then, and then uh, but prior to that, I'd been following SI, all the photographers. I had a subscription, and I was able to, uh, you know, just follow these guys and look at what they're doing. And, 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 and I told my mom in eighth grade, after that course, before I started freshman in high school, that I'm, I'm going to be a photographer for Sports Illustrated. And that was my life goal from then on, on at 13. So after that, you know, I went through high school and, you know, did it all, the newspaper, the yearbook, and was able to hone the skills, you know. I mean, I was that into it. And then, and then uh, from there, I went to Missouri, University of Missouri. And that's the the big J school, journalism school. And then I went there, and uh, but I didn't major in journalism. I majored in business because by the time I got to college, I had done so much work in high school on my own that I didn't I didn't feel like the schooling of photography was going to do me any good. And I was right. So I walked in to the head guy of the athletic department at Missouri, at the University of Missouri. His name is Bill Callahan. He basically invented the idea of sports information and marketing. And I walked into his office as a freshman right, right from my dorm that I just arrived at. And I said, I want to do pictures for you. And I had no idea who he was. And I, he said, he said, well, what do you, what do you shoot? And I, I had a portfolio ready to go from the high school of all these sports. And I showed them to him. And this is a big time school. And, and he said, he looked at him and he goes, when can you start? Can you do our opening football game this weekend? And I go, well, yeah. So here is a freshman right off the bus doing all the photography for the University of Missouri for four years. And all the, uh, the people in the J school, I'd see them at games and they'd say, why aren't you in class? I never see you in class. Well, because I don't go to those classes. I, I'm a business major. Well, how are you having this? Why do you have this? Like they were mad that kids... It was the best job on campus for photography, and I did it for four years. It's Paula. I've got a question for you. When you were in college, were you using film at the time? I mean, a lot of people now probably take it for granted because 
film was a whole different world and everybody's got, you know, the ability to do digital photography. But I'm guessing when you were there that that was what you guys were using. Well, frankly, yeah, digital really didn't until the late 90s. Digital wasn't even a thing because the digital thing, you know, that was a Sony camera that came out with a one megapixel chip and, and it was on a floppy disk or that yeah, was it wasn't even a chip it was a floppy disk and that came I out in 98 camera. i it's like 90, that camera it yeah, was a floppy disk thing so. was crazy yeah you had to carry around floppy disks and you could get like 10 pictures on one of those cameras oh, those, yeah. were, those were so this fun. was this was 100 percent film I, I went to the dark room on campus i you know everything was yeah totally like that and that's why it was and that's why i could go and did what i did because Back then, you didn't have these people that were living by the technology of the camera and oh, I'll fix it later in post or I'll shoot this motorized camera and I'll be sure I'll get something. You had to shoot single frame stuff. You had you, you had to know what you're doing. You had to meter every picture. You had to shoot, you know, and not everybody, that was a craft back then. You know, you had it, that's exactly what it was. Like nowadays, I always wanted to do manual month. And have everybody in the entire country have to shoot manually, meter, have to shoot film, and and I'm not kidding, 90% or more, probably more of the whole entire photography world couldn't do the job. David, that would be like asking millennials to use the Thomas Guide to get around town. I really don't think they'd be able to handle that. They need their uh phone to tell them where to go. I, I do remember working when I was 100 years ago as a teenager in a place called Photozines. Do you remember that? Those places where no. they would put you on a magazine cover, like you would take a picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. yeah. And I had to process stuff in the dark room, and I don't, uh, I don't like remembering the smell of those places. So no wonder no one knew where you were. You were busy doing all your processing after all your shooting. Yeah, no, and, and it was fun to be that, to have that thing you know that that thing of doing all this stuff and no one even knows you're doing it almost but 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 that's where that was the training ground because it was a big time university so they had all the major sports and in fact the strobes that people use you know for that was back then the strobes that light the whole building up at once and we use them for hockey basketball most indoor sports back then in 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 like 79 80 I put a full set into the into the arenas in 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 the uh, University of Missouri, and I was probably one of the basically one of the only people in the country shooting other than SI with strobes of full sets because I did the research, and I found out where to buy these these ones that just came out, and I put them in because they didn't know what I was doing. But then when I started shooting, the the the, the to use strobes on chrome film is just night and day. That's why SI used to, you know, back in the 80s, it was they were the only ones that had these crystal clear pictures because they were using strobes. So I did that in college. So, you know, that and that's, you know, that led me to SI. So it's it's all connected. David, let me jump in because you said they had most major sports. University of Missouri, as I understand it, is lacking the most major sport, is it not? In that it doesn't host a D1 hockey program, or is that changed? No, they they they've only they've only had a. Uh, a club team that's the and that's still the same they you know it's just one of those things there's so many universities that don't have a hockey team it's mostly club teams it's a lot of lacrosse is like that too you know they have teams but they but they're just club teams that play regionally with other 
schools that have club teams. Well, we have to work on that to get them up to D1 so that uh, you can shoot, I believe, your favorite sport. Is it not ice hockey? Well, I, I my favorite sport to shoot is, I, I guess, it, well, it would be ice hockey because, you know, frankly, the, the ice hockey is the most challenging. You know, I mean, I it's one of those sports where, you don't you don't know where anything's coming from. It's not regimented like basketball. Basketball is one of those things where you end up, you know, they go to the rim. You can set up remotes because you know kind of where 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 people are headed, and you know it's it's challenging because they could be right in front of you because someone checks into the boards, or they could be a shot that comes from the point, or they could be something that's going off in the corner, but the puck's not anywhere near it. So you 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 have to almost have this mindset of of following the game in your mind and 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 just and just going with whatever it gives you. It's it's very erratic and that and that's why people always say it's really one of the hardest hardest ones. I mean it takes the most effort because since it's continuous and moving and you just never know where the action will be. The one thing that's interesting, it's equates to the driving your car and you're just daydreaming and then you're going around a curve and go around another curve. And then like five miles later, you think, God, I wasn't paying attention. Everybody knows what that feels like, but I'll be at the game. And when I, because we're shooting strobes. So you get one picture every three seconds. So none of this covering yourself by, by uh, machine gunning it, you know, which people do now because they can. So I'm sitting there, and it, when you see a picture of a slap shot and the puck's right there, that was one picture. So you're timing it to one picture on all those older hockey shows, especially in the uh, anything before the before uh, digital. So I will find myself at games. I'm automatically taking these pictures. I am not even thinking about it. It's that kind of a, a thing. It's crazy. And I tell people that, and they go, "Oh no, that's not true." But it's nuts. I, I am sitting there, and the guys, the guys passing it out and shooting it, and the guys are making the save, and I shoot, shoot, I pick what I want, but I'm doing it subconsciously all the time. You, you know the game. Well, but I've that, got a couple. I've got a couple oh, other I, questions. I, I want to tell you. I want to tell you what what my my favorite sport that's not hockey is, because you said what's my favorite sport to shoot. Well, the not hockey one would be World Championship Boomerang. And where where is that held? All over say? the place. You know, okay. they have a tournament, they, and they have national championships, and 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 then they have world championships, and so, there's there's all kinds of disciplines to it. There's maximum time aloft. There's 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 long distance. There's fast catching. There, there it's it's very it's very crazy. Anyway, and I and I just I just and I and I know the world champion guys and and they're great guys and and we did 3D with them. But the 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 thing, the only thing I can think of why I gravitated to that is because the boomerang is seemed like a blade of a hockey stick. That's the only way I can think of uh, why I like it. So, so like back, I'm old enough to recall Gilligan's Island on a first run. Didn't Gilligan used to have like a boomerang and um. Do they ever, in those championships, have them sharpened up so that they can have the contest to see if they can decapitate anybody by chucking them? Or oh, they have a that thing might called, be a new discipline. Well, they have a thing called a Kylie stick. It is made by the Aborigines to hunt, and it's like a. It looks like 
it's a long elongated kind of looks like a a a a, a, a women's field hockey stick or something but they throw it and they can be accurate you guy was showing me it and he could they could knock down a deer and kill it i mean it, well, i'm just saying it's it's it, this all evolved from australia and the aborigines and stuff that's where this all evolved from but the u.s has some of the best boomerang stores in, in the world and you know that's why well, i end up doing well the stuff. next next time you go to one of these you're going to have to send me an invite and i will carry your supply bag even though i might not be able to lift that based on what i recall seeing your camera bags look like and weigh but um i would i would love an invite to go to something like that because i think that would be fun to to watch these people do that all right well i'm going to go here let me get my pen i'm going to i'm crossing you off the list here and i'll put you onto the boomerang thing i crossed you off the, the uh, assisting on the swimsuit issue and then <laughs> I, no i would get something else for that so i'm good um, for both i'm good for both i'll have okay, to get a pass well, no, on the I, first I just, one you know, with my wife though i'm just saying <laughs> hey i do have a couple of questions that uh, came to mind while you were talking about um when you wanted to become a professional or when you knew you wanted to become can you explain to our listeners what exactly an exacta camera is? And I can't imagine that that's like an exacta and a horse where you have to pick who runs first and who runs second. So can you tell us a little bit about an exacta camera? Well, it's a German silvery camera and it was very complicated looking. It's like all the dials were have these marks on them and stuff. So it really looked like a, a real complicated thing. And, and they were a big player in the in the the old school um, and it, it was a rangefinder camera, I believe. Um, and then they made uh, single lens reflex versions, but but it was very complicated. It was it's like you see a machine or something. It looks really complicated, and that's what intrigued me because it was really like God. I got to learn. I want to learn how to do all these settings because everything back then was manual. They didn't even have man auto in the in the cameras right back then. So you just you literally had to. You might have a light meter in there, but then you had to physically set everything. So that intrigued me. And I'm still a tinkerer because I'm I'm I make things all the time to use for, in, that don't exist for photography stuff, you know, especially for remotes and 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 such. So I still have that bug. Okay, I'm gonna bring back some memories of my Ute when I was young, which was a long while ago. Um, my grandfather, my oldest grandfather, had a little black box camera that you kind of looked down through the top, if I remember right. And yep. you did some adjustments. Did you ever mess with any kind of camera like that? Oh yeah, I've had them all. See, that's the thing with film. When I got into this, that was that existed. It was a, a, a 220 film, you know. So it was a bigger negative. It's the same as Hasselblad, only it was a box. And, and Hasselblad had the same thing. That was the high end version of that kind of thing. And it had a it has a waist level viewfinder is what that is. So you're basically holding the camera at your waist, looking down at it. And it's a, and it's reversed, so it's always kind of confusing because it's not a prism. So you know, it's and and we use those for the NBA and and all hockey. I, I shot 3D. You know what a Hasselblad is? It's a, it's and you've seen them. They're the higher end version of that. It's they're silver and black and they're and they're real you know fancy looking. But we used to use those at at games because the negative was three times as big as a 35 millimeter. So your resolution is huge difference. And it had a 500 uh, second sync speed, which in hockey, it throws the action tons better than the 35 millimeter. So on any of these remotes, we will put those up as those. 
in fact, when I was, uh, you know, yeah, we it, it would just you'd be surprised at the the difference in resolution. So, so I, you know, we used to bring ten of those to a game and put ten different remotes up, like for basketball or hockey, and like one over the goal judge, one on the one side, one in the, the in the we would put them in the rafters looking straight down, and 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 we had the equipment that we actually developed uh, that sync cameras. It started out as a wired version, and then we did a, a, a wireless version. And so we could take, for example, if you're at the Stanley Cup and you're and you're putting it at one end, you want to put some remotes. So you do one behind the net, like the gold judge, one on top of the gold judge box, one in the ceiling looking down, and one on one side or the other of, of the goalie looking back into it, and maybe from the other end. So you could have five cameras on one end, and when I push the one button, because they're on strobes, because you needed a lot of light with those cameras, because we're using a slow uh, uh, slide film. So we're using 100 ASA film, so we need a ton of light, which we got for the strobes. But then all the cameras would go off with one strobe press, with one with one press of my button that I have, you know, wired to this wireless uh, um, uh, ensemble. It would fire all five cameras at the exact moment. So I literally have like like if you got a goal with the puck in the air, the puck's in the air. You got the exact same, literally the exact same moment because it synced with the strobe. One strobe pop and it synced with it. David, that reminds so. me of uh, kind of how we got to know you. And I, it had to have been like right around the Olympics in Salt Lake. And I think, did Richard Zamboni write you a letter by chance? Because I think he got some slides from you or somehow we connected with you because we saw some like overhead shots and some really cool like from inside the net of the machine. I think he reached out to you. Do you remember that? Well, it's either it was either that I, it's either the Salt Lake or it could have been Torino. I we know he's got the one from, from Torino. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have stuff from you from Torino, but, but I know Salt, we have some Salt Lake too. Well, Salt Lake is where Salt Lake is. I think that's the only time in the history of the Olympics they allowed strobes. Yeah, that, that's that, those pictures were like the first time I think that. Richard had seen stuff that just kind of blew his mind. Cause you know, there's the general, somebody's on the ice, they take a picture of the machine, but there was stuff from just all over the building and some really unique well, perspective well shots there. Well, that's what, and the, the lighting, because like I said, the strobes make a yeah. huge difference. And we were allowed as SI was allowed, the only person that's ever strobed the Olympics first hockey, I think. And, and I shot the whole uh, uh, Salt Lake City Olympics with, uh, with strobes, which Maybe was unheard of those, back uh, then. Get those strobes put into the Hockey Hall of Fame. They're that important of a piece of memorabilia. Oh, I got I got all kinds of stuff I should give to them. <laughs> so, I've got the first camera I used in my in uh, at SI. I still have it here, and uh, and it's got a dent in the hood from the from the hockey from the first year I shot hockey. So I have I have another question for you. Um, you mentioned that uh, you told your mom when you were 13 that you were going to be a professional photographer. Did she believe you when you said that? Let's put it this way. I didn't tell her that. I told her I was going to be a photographer for Sports Illustrated. I didn't say I wanted to be a professional photographer. That wasn't good enough, see? And I told her that. I said, I want to be a photographer for Sports Illustrated. I'm holding the magazine, showing her it. I'm saying this. And she, no, and she, and they, they but see, back then, I started buying some equipment and then they got kind of worried like, God, are you wasting your money? 
And then like when I went to when I went to Mizzou, and it, it, I I bought those strobes. I remember uh you know my grandma died I think and 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 she and there was a little money left to each kid you know each grandkid and I said I want to spend all this money on these strobes and they looked at me like and 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 they let me do it because because again they saw that I was doing the all this stuff about you know making making this really work you know I'm putting the time in it wasn't like I'm a I'm just kind of a kid that wants to be a major league baseball player, but he doesn't want to do practice and work on stuff. I, I was always doing stuff. And, 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 and also a, a big, the big lenses, like a 300-2.8 or a 400-2.8. I was in, I was in, in at zoo and I had, I had those. And most other people didn't have it at all. I, I might've been the only one there. All this J school and everybody's, you know, and I got all this other stuff because it's like, wait a minute that, you know, and, uh, you know, so so okay go ahead go ahead Gra grandma died and leaves you some money you buy all these devices to improve the quality of your art your craft you're at yeah. the university of minnesota or i'm not no. university of minnesota Ooh, university of missouri sorry out. about that it's, you know they all start with an m and being from minnesota i can't get that out of my head yeah there you go tell us how you transitioned from being a college student and hopefully a graduate at u of missouri to working for SI? Well, luckily, luckily, that is one of those things that's a great story because it's hilarious. I was in an apartment somewhere in St. Louis and my parents still live where they live now, actually, but but they, um, he called, my dad calls me, he said, somebody called this morning, this is Sunday morning at 10 in the morning, okay? They just got back from church and here, here they get this call and it's some guy that says, asking for me. And he says, and, th and this is in February of 86. And he says, uh, my, my, dad, my dad goes, well, who is this? And he goes, well, this is, uh, I, this is uh, I'm with Sports Illustrated. And my dad's like, and it looks as a two-on-two number. They, they, had, they had caller ID back then. So, and he's like, and he goes, okay. Um, and it was Jeff Weig from Sports Illustrated. He's the, he's the, he was their hockey editor. He was in charge of all the hockey photos. And he said, and he says, well, can you have him call me? And, and, and my dad goes, wrote the number down. Okay. So then he calls me later in the day and he said, son, that's some guy called this morning from Sports Illustrated and he wants you to call him back. And I'm saying, okay, who's punking me? Who's, who, you know, because everybody knew I wanted to do this. And there's a lot, there's a lot of naysayers that said, oh, you're never going to do that. You know, just like a kid saying, I want to be in the major league baseball player. And you're saying, well, you better keep your, you keep it staying in school, you know? And I'm sitting there like, okay, so I'll, I, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll bite. Um, so I called back and Jeff White answers the phone. He goes, yeah, this is, because I called the two on two number. I don't know anybody in New York. And he, I said, yeah, this is Dave Kluther calling you back. And he goes, oh yeah, we wanted to ask you because we got your name from the blues because I had been shooting pictures as a practicing down at the blues. You know, we had strobe set up there again, we had strobe set up there and this was all in the intent to eventually go to sports illustrated and show them a portfolio. That was the end game, but I was still in my estimation training myself. I wanted to be ready. I didn't, I, it's one of those, you get one first impression kind of deal. And, and I said, I want to, I want to, I want to really hit it right. So, and I knew that worked with Mizzou because I walked in there and I saw that he just said, oh yeah, we got to do, you know, set me up. 
So I did, had to, I wanted the same thing. I wanted no question to be asked. So, so I, so he goes, they were doing a story on hockey fighting. So as people know, you can't predict where fights are going to happen. And that's another random thing in hockey. So he, he got my name because he was calling all the teams saying, Hey, if you have anybody that shoots for you, that we want to, you know, give me your name. So he said, we were looking to do a hockey fight picture story. And we wanted to know if you had any. And I go, well, yeah, I have some. I don't know if it's what you want because those are so random. A lot of times fight pictures are just some guys hugging and stuff. So, so I said, well, send us. So he gave me a FedEx number and he sent, and I, and I sent him a, uh, I sent him, a, I had like three or four slide pages of stuff, you know, and I didn't know, you know, what they really even, and he, and he even said, I know they might not be great, but you know, we'll just do whatever. So anyway, so I ended up going to, you know, send, send him a package for I saw on Monday for Tuesday and he, he like clockwork on Tuesday at 1030. That's when FedEx comes. He calls me back and he looked at me, he goes, he goes, who does your lighting? Cause this is the guy that that's all they see at SI is that, is that lighting and he, and no one else does it. No one else is doing it. Maybe a random team photographer, but mostly not mostly zero across the country, you know, back then. And we had a full set. We no, no, uh, pulled no punches, a full set of strokes. And I said, and he, I said, well, I do. And he goes, you do. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do. And he goes, cause he's, he's, because we did a kind of, we were using strobes that were better than theirs. So, because we, they just came out and that's what we bought. So anyway, so he goes, he goes, well, there's some good stuff here for, but we want to be able to, you know, um, so we're going to hold on to these, but I really, do you do any other sports? And I said, well, are you, I, we want to see a, a, a other hockey maybe. Cause I just sent him, I didn't send him any really hockey. I just sent him some fight pictures of people rolling around. So I said, I said, I'll, yeah, I'll send you some more, um, some more with some. And he goes, do you do any other sports? And I go, yeah, I mean, I do some other sports. So then, and and I got together like 60, 60 slides maybe. So that's like three pages. Now keep in mind, this is where it get, this is where it's it's different than nowadays. These slides are, you're looking at the full frame, you're looking at. If they're in focus or not, you're looking at if they're exposed correctly, you're looking if they're composed correctly. All these factors you can see because you're, he's using the originals. Nowadays, these people are cropping heavily, they're toning everything, they're they're um, sharpening everything, and this is not that. This is like you had to get these out of the camera without even knowing what you had during a game. See, you have no idea, so you have to have the confidence to. Hey, I'm gonna make this work. I gotta make this work. Anyway, so I sent him this six, 60, page, 60 pictures, and he, like clockwork, 10:30, I get this call, because I sent them. I mean, because I was ready for this. Luckily, you know, because I was really close to making a, a, a trek up there. So I said, I sent them strobed hockey, as good as. As, as good or better as anything they have at all. Strobed NBA basketball, strobed NCAA basketball, strobed college wrestling, strobed volleyball, strobed track and field, out, uh, everything. The, I mean, we had everything there. So he calls back and he goes, 
we got your package. And he, he said, the director of photography wants to talk to you. So this, the director of photography, Barbara Hankel, comes on the line and she goes, well, we're really happy with what we've seen here and we wanna give you an assignment. So I was planning to do all this over time and get up there eventually and try to get a meeting and they came to me. So that was interesting. So then they sent me to a blues game in St. Louis. They were doing a pictures on a, of a, of a, of a uh, Blackhawks player. So they were, the Blackhawks came in town and they're sending their hockey guy in and a strobe technician to put his own set of strobes up in my, in the, my building. And I'm going to shoot one end, he's going to shoot the other end. So we did this. And it was one of those things where, you know, how nervous could you be? You know, again, you have no vision of what you're getting. You have to be totally kind. And this is all follow focus, pure follow focus. Everything about it is a manual and single frame. So anyway, so I shoot the game. And again, I, we sent the raw film in. So I didn't even get to process it and look at it. We just sent raw rolls in. So I we sent them all in and then he calls me back and he says, you know, well, good job on that game. And and he's a he's a competitive person. He goes, hey, yeah, you really did you 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 outdid the other guy, you know, and 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 they're gonna use a picture of yours in the magazine. So it's like that was, you know, that was a good revelation, you know. Um, and it wasn't some great picture, it was just a picture portrait he at the face-off shot of it, but, but it was a uh, number 10 of Blackhawks. I forget what it, who that was back then. Um, so, so, so then, then the, the, the way it got momentum is by giving them those 60 pictures, I gave them everything at the kitchen sink with, with different sports and, and highest end as, as good as they're going to put in their magazine. See? So then the lady, the, the, the NCAA uh, basketball guy calls me, their editor for that. And his name's Eric Godwin. And he calls me and he says, we want you to, I mean, people just wanted to get a game out of them to do. He, he goes, we want you to do the, the Midwest Regional Basketball Finals and shoot it with our other uh, staff photographer guy. Because it was in Kansas City. And then I go there and we shoot this thing and I got a picture inside and then they did a split cover and I got one of the pictures on the cover. Uh, the first that was my second assignment for them and then then they this back then they they had a little uh thing where you know they they were on deadlines and stuff so you know the the, the film on important events we they, they they said get on a plane and bring the film to us we want to meet you anyway so i took a flight to get to to bring the film back to them and then met them and then and then from, from, from there, it just progressed. You know, two weeks later, I'm in Atlanta shooting an NBA story on Dominique Wilkins. And same thing. We set up strobes, whatever. And then Dominique Wilkins ran on the cover. That was my first full cover. That was the full cover. And that was just two weeks later than that. And then and then after that, the, the interesting hockey thing that happened is then May rolls around and they have the... the um, I did the conference finals or the conference fi the conference championships of both sides. So back then they were the TV wasn't like it is tonight this this now they would literally 
thread those back and forth. So so one night it'll be Western, one Eastern, one night Western. So I did both series, all games. So I'd shoot the game, and, and I think it was a long trek. I, if I remember correctly, it was it was one of the teams that won was Calgary and one was Montreal. And it was a long – so I, was, I would shoot the one game for the Western Conference, the game one. Then I'd shoot – fly over to game one of the, the uh, other team the next day. Then I'd fly back the next day, and I did that for the whole full series. And then when that was over, I did the entire Stanley Cup, which was, you know, Montreal played Calgary. And did the whole Stanley Cup, all the games, and then the uh, – that they, they ran they ran the final the final thing they ran it on the cover and that was that's was one of my favorite pictures ever because it was just unique because you had bob gainey and larry robinson holding the cup up as if we planned it because that's been that's when they they literally back in the day they 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 brought out the consmite and brought the they just presented them and the, the, no, there's no T-shirts. There's no hats. There's no stage. There's no carpets, and they just gave it to them. And that's when you had those ones like you didn't see Gretzky skating around with the team. That's when that was still going on. So, so yeah. So, so Bob gave me. They're holding it up vertically, and it's literally the only time I've ever seen it done that way. And that was that's another reason why it's my favorite favorite uh, photo. Um, and that was the, that was the first one of 33 in a row that I've done. And the fun fact of that is that I have been, I went to the 86 was the first one. And the last one I was at in a, in succession was the blues, uh, over the Bruins. But the, 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 the little, uh, asterisk to this is I, I went to every game, both cities. And I was the only one that had that streak because, you know, think about it. That's kind of hard to do. Every game, both cities for 33 years for the finals. Why did that streak end? Because of COVID. Okay. Because the next year, the COVID thing happened and we couldn't go into uh, – they without special government approval and all, you couldn't get into uh, Canada. See, so I was I was originally trying to get it to 35 and do kind of some kind of book, but now I still might do something. It's at 33 right now. It would have been 34, except we had that. I think it's 33 because we we, we had that one uh, the one uh, when when they struck when the season didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Um. So so. But during that, uh, I went over to and shot Ru the, all the Russian players. They went back home and, and played uh, in their Russian pro leagues. And can I interject a, a funny story real quick? Yes, you may. We went and uh, we went to the, the Russian pro leagues. They want Fedorov and all those guys playing uh, during the lockout. Uh, so we went, we flew over to Moscow with, but see, and we took strobes. So we took like, God, you know, 18 cases of stuff. It was expensive, but that's how we did things. And they were, it was the quality level. But anyway, we got we were at the airport, and we said, this is, this is kind of sketchy. So I, how are we going to get all this in vehicles without, you know, we had two of us, but it would take more than two vehicles probably. So we talked to the, the, this guy that just, like, you need a ride? So we, we, came, we came up there, and we said, 
well, we got all this equipment and we really want to, you know, try to consolidate this at the most two vehicles, but I don't even know if two vehicles. And the guy goes, hold on, I make a, I make a call. <laughs> and, and I said, okay. So he goes, and he called, he comes back and he goes, okay, okay, we'll get, we're, 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 we're going to get you there because we wanted to go to the arena. And because the electricians were waiting for us at some arena I never heard of. And he comes back. So an ambulance pulls up. So we're taking our equipment in an ambulance because everybody wanted to work. So we're, 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 and I, somewhere, I, I don't, I don't know if I can lay my hands on that, but I got a picture of us sitting outside with all the cases in the ambulance. And so we're loading them on the gurney and putting them on the floor and stacking them up in there. And then we all pile into the front and, 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 you know, and we say, can you use the siren? Yeah, of course. And it was just hilarious, you know? And that that that's just a side note, you know. So <laughs> your your story sounds. Did you ever see the movie Almost Famous with Kate Hudson, Francis McDermott, Billy Crudup? It, no. it sounds like that, except it, you have to check it out. It's a pretty funny movie, and it's this high school kid who's writing a story and ends up getting. Uh, I think he get the cover of the Rolling Stone magazine. And it's pretty funny because it was started out at the San Diego Arena, which is now some named after some casino down in San yeah, Diego. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a pretty funny movie. But your story is very similar to that. And then the other movie that comes to mind is Serendipity is just the word of yeah, I'm out well, of it. Yes, that, that one's got skating in it because that takes place at uh, Central Park. I, I believe, and it's got uh, oh, who the heck was that actor? Paula, you might remember that one, but no, it, it's I a. I don't remember it, that, but Cameron Crowe is the person that was the uh, person director. who was profiling in Almost Famous, and Almost Famous is like this this story of how he fell into that. And David, it's you must watch the movie. It's pretty much your life story. It's unbelievable, is what it is. I have to put it on my list. Yeah, I think so. I I do have to say, since you started in Feb of '86, you did happen to miss the greatest sporting event in history, which the 41st anniversary of that was just a couple days ago. Might there you know what go. I'm talking about, there we go. David? Everybody that has ever listened to a podcast with Doug Peters knows exactly where we're going. I apologize in advance. Yeah, no, I uh, if, uh 41st, uh, um, the greatest sporting event ever in hockey. Oh, you brought in, the, in, the Lake in Placid. Yes, it took place oh. in Lake Placid, the Olympic gold medal. And okay, yeah, do, yeah. Do you ever critique the photos back then? Because like some of those photos, and I actually have a couple um, that are hanging. Well, they used to be hanging on my wall until I noticed that the signatures were fading away. And maybe you can offer some assistance as to what I should put on the glass so that the lighting doesn't uh, fade the sharpie markers, but um, do you ever critique the photos from back then? Because uh, some well, of those always, are some some really famous photos. Well, you always critique, you know, and that's the thing with, with when I was getting into this in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I, I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm critiquing and learning that way. Like I, and that's how. You, then you got to do research. Back then, you didn't have the luxury of the internet. See, so I had to start asking photographers. You know, I, I would literally go out and and on the high school, my, not even my high schools. During high school, I would go to other people's high schools to practice, because no one was saying you can't. So, but but other people would from the local paper would see me there, and they'd start saying, "Well, what are you doing here? 
you don't, you know, I mean, and, and I said, well, I'm practicing and I, two specific photographers and, and they kind of know who they are. And I said, no, and this is, this is somebody, a sophomore, junior, that's me in high school telling these, these, these local, the, you know, big paper in St. Louis, the local staff photographers that, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a photographer for Sports Illustrated and I'm practicing. That's, and <laughs> they're shaking their head, like almost waving their hands at me. Yeah, right. You know, and I, and, and you got that, you got that reaction and they know who they are. It's hilarious because they know who they are, you know, and, you know, so anyway, I got sidetracked, but, you know, so back to your, your thing, but I, 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 you know, I, I would look at the lighting, especially I would look at the, cause a lot back then, like the, like the Olympics you're talking about, they weren't able to use strobe. So I, you got to give everybody a, a wider berth on the, on the quality of things. It would be grainier. It would be cause it was available light on film back then. So the technology hasn't had an advance because they advanced films a lot before they went to digital. So like those pictures, like the picture, you know, a lot of the pictures you see were, well, some of them weren't that sharp because of the lighting, because of the, you, you had to shoot at a slower shutter speed, or you had a, a little grainier one because you had to push the film to be able to even get a photo at all. So you're up against those things, you know? So, and you can tell why that's all going on. Now, you know, now I, I understand it. And, and then you look at a strobe picture in SI and you're just enamored with it. You know, like during the, you know, like I remember seeing ones of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, you know, playing and, and yet the, up in Boston Gardens had some really good lighting set up. So each building functions a little differently on how the, well the lighting looks with strobes, you know, based on the shape and whatnot. And, and that the lighting was unbelievable. And you just look at those pictures. When I was in, in, in high school or whatever, you look at those pictures and you're like, this is crazy. I got to start doing, I got to do this. See, because that's when I said, what are they doing? And I, I would talk to people and they say, oh, they're using strobes. And then I started looking into that. And then I started, and then I maybe I met somebody that knew somebody at SI and, and said, oh yeah, they set up a, like eight strobes and, and they, and then we just started experimenting with it, you know, and, and went from there. So that's how, but, but yeah, I, I'm always critiquing, you know. It, it's funny. I can remember as a kid when my dad worked for the North Stars and I used to spend a lot of time in the vomitory as the, where the machine would come out onto the ice back yep. and back then they were using one machine and there was a photographer this great big guy i mean he was huge as a house and he used to f shoot the games for the star and tribune which is the minneapolis well back then it might have been the minneapolis tribune or the the tribune and the star before they merged and he's got he took a picture that he gave to my dad and I have possession of it now, and it is a picture that I will always cherish because it's of me looking up at my dad, my dad looking down at me, and that is something that I'll have to remember him by to the day I'm gone. And it's just it's it's a a classic photo that y you people are so creative. My sister got that talent. I got a gift or a curse of gab, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> but that that that's my talent if it is a talent and um i just am so impressed when you capture a moment and it's like some of these stories that have been in sports illustrated about some of the great um photographs some of them are i think maybe by accident 
like the one where Ali's standing over the guy and there's somebody between his legs. You probably know what picture I'm talking about. But we talked. I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about because I know the guy that shot that and and it wasn't an accident. See, though, that and that was even that was even crazier because I think he even shot those on a view camera, like a four by five or something. Cause you, you know, that was Neil Leifer. And, and, and that was one of those. And again, you have to pick your shots because even back then it wasn't even like that was even a regular camera that advanced film. You had to change. It's like the old style cameras. I, I believe that was on a four by five, which means you get one shot and you got to pull that out. You got to put a dark slide in. you got to pull that out. You got to put another one in and pull dark before you can even shoot another one. So you had to save that when you knew, okay, it's all timing. And right now, there's tons of people that have no idea about that. Because if you made them shoot single frame, they they would get so, you know, so many people rely on the motor. They just power through it. They, they literally, these motors now are going 14 frames a second. So you can sit there and shoot that and hail Mary the entire game and you could you will get stuff. My mom could do it from her wheelchair, you know? And you just, that's the thing, you know, I, I that t- it took some of the fun out of it, I think for me, because you're, you're, it, it, it went from a craft to like more of a, more of a, just a, a job to do, you know, a, you know, I mean, again, where you learn and, and I, and I think anybody coming into this right now, they got to be really aware of be you know be becoming good at composing things that kind of stuff too because you can crop your way into getting things that are acceptable but by the same token you're going to miss a lot if you if you don't learn the concepts of photography while you're while you're while you're you know you know working with these new, new the new technologies because the student technologies can do so much by them by on their own that you get this being a slave to that makes your your stuff a little, little more basic, you know, you're not, you don't, you don't have that edge that other people might have because they actually learned about depth of field and learned about the composition. So. It's interesting because we had one of your compadres or competitors. I don't know how you look at it. Dave Sanford on, and I got to do the podcast with him as well. And it just was these kind of things. It just amazes me when I listen to people who are as talented as both you and Dave are, because you're one, you're passionate about your craft, which not everybody I think is like that these days, especially, you know, if they're shooting, you know, they're the paparazzi that are chasing the Kardashians around or whatever. And they're just, you know, a million pictures a a minute. Um, Whereas you're thinking about it and it's now it's gotta be with your skill level based on how many years you've been doing this, you're seeing the action ahead of it. And it's kind of like when I watch a hockey game, I get annoyed when somebody doesn't make the proper pass out of the zone or doesn't um, pass to the guy that's wide open. I'm looking at it not in the moment. I'm looking at it in advance. And I'm guessing that that's what you're seeing in your mind so that you know where to have your camera pointed for a picture. Well, and it's still, it's still, uh, I don't want to call it a guess, but it is still just a, you still got to, you know, accept, dang, I was wrong, you know, or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, yeah, it, honestly, when I'm, a lot of times you see 
people at hockey, they might be sitting on the net, just sitting there kind of waiting for something to happen and do that in basketball sometimes too. I mean, we, especially back in the olden days when we were manually focusing and zooming manually, you're, you're all over the place. You're moving around. Your, your hands are moving. You know, it's like a concert pianist, you know, your hands are moving. You're always doing that because no one, no, no autofocus is going to do it. Nobody's doing that for you. Like these, like some of the new stuff. So, and you're, and you're shooting on strobes on top of that. So you're getting one shot when you get to whatever you want. So you're always keeping your eyes open. And that's why I say you're, 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 you're looking around, but you're really, your mind's like going around that car, uh, that car example on a, on a curve. And, and suddenly you're over here and you shoot it and you have no idea you just did that. It's very crazy. And and that comes with, and even now I, I could pick up a phone, a, a camera now and I remember Canon lenses went one way and Nikon lenses went the other way. So you couldn't just, now they can reverse it because it's electronic manual focus. But you, you, you go back, I could pick up a Nikon lens because I had Nikon back in the beginning and, and I could pick a, can, a, can, a, can, a Nikon camera right now and, and, make, uh, and, and, and sit there and manually focus. It's weird how it's, it's, it's like riding a bike. It's crazy, but it is. It's, it's like riding a bike. You can... Anybody that that's done a lot of manual focus could do that because we did it constantly for so long. So, okay. So your first cover for SI was Dominique Wilkins. Well, that's the what? first full cover. They had a they had a final four cover from that first basketball tournament I did, where they had a grid on the front with the four teams that were going to go to the final four because this was a regional. So they and one of those pictures was mine. Okay, who's your favorite cover that you're credited with for shooting that SI used? Well, oh, and and I don't know, I'm 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 up, I, I lose track of these because I'm up to like ninety for ninety right now. Paula did, Paula asked if I had any, so I uh, I don't know, I don't keep track of these things. I assume <laughs> you did, and I know you're talented. So, so it's it like almost good. ninety, it's ninety and some change, whatever. I don't I lose track. And there's fact there, I found a few the other day that I didn't even know I had. It was just, you know, that's the way it goes. And now they have a a, a, a online kind of offering of the magazine, and they have online cover now, too. But I don't count those. I only count paper and ink, you know. But uh, the, honestly, back to the other, the, the Stanley Cup one, my favorite one is, is when Ganey and, and Robinson are hanging, holding up the cup, because it was just so perfect. And the funny thing about it was, like I was saying before, they, they that's when they, they literally brought the cup out, they brought the trophy out, and they presented them. And there's no one holding the photographers back. That was the thing back then. Nowadays, you have, well, don't go back past the rope or off the carpet. And, oh, well, you can't go out there until we say you can. All this stuff. And I said, back then, it's like we just went out and did it. So there, there's, there's like 10 people vying for pictures. But anyway, shot that shot. And what you see on the cover, and this goes back to the, the whole composing framing. What you see on that cover is absolutely full frame slide you're seeing it they didn't have to they didn't crop it at all you know and and that's what ran on the cover and the the, the funny thing is after i shot that picture they're banging the thing into me because i'm too I'm, I'm that close to them you know and they're on skates they're just moving around celebrating and i mean i mean hit by these guys because they're 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 right they're right there and they come and they're and they're nudging me with the cup and stuff so it was, it was, and that's that's the other thing. It's just fun to be on those championship 
like on the field it's stuff or on the on the you know i mean it was better earlier but now obviously i talked talk to you before that everybody has gives out t-shirts and hats and confetti and stages and and, and the, the bad thing is nowadays with the stage thing and the carpets and all the stuff they have to do to prepare for the presentation it's it it it's gone you know the the real energy of the celebration is gone the spot like, the spontaneity is gone it's more gone. staged and act acted upon i mean well, it it's totally still, when, when you get a guy like sid crosby winning his first cup I'm sure that there is some joy that you're able to capture with your your cameras, but it's there's that pause in it. It's almost like the NFL with what they've done with giving out the trophy and they have to bring out everything and then get everybody up and get the oh I'm going to Disney World or I'm doing this or whatever. But, yeah. Hey, have but, you for really for all? I, my, go, oh, go ahead. No, finish up. Address the Crosby thing. So so. The problem is when he won his first cup, they 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 celebrate in the by the goalie or whatever. But then there's such a lag when they bring out these carpets and all this stuff, and it, the players are just standing around. They literally are just standing around, so they don't have the cup yet. See, that's why some teams are better at recreating the excitement when they get the cup. Others, I remember when uh, North Carolina, I think, won it, or so, somebody won it. That, and I told, I told the people at the NHL, I said, next year when the teams are determined, you should have a representative going to each locker room and say, if you guys win, here you have to, you, you skate with the cup, you, because I remember these, this team, whoever it was, they passed the cup up to each guy at the exact same spot. They might have been. They might as well have been a figure skater doing a spin. They stayed right there, and the other guy came in, and then the guy would just do a one pirouette, and some other guy would come in. It was ridiculous. We walked away going, "What the heck was that?" Because you don't get any good pictures. That's the thing, you know. And 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 then you got the the other ones, the other teams that go bonkers, and and you know, like when New Jersey won it, and and they. They had good celebration. I remember Bergerge jumping in the air, and, and and you get good things right at the end. But then you, the cup presentation is hit and miss whether the the team can can revive their excitement. Um, I remember the 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 New Jersey Devils. I'm sitting there, and then the cup's standing there, and and suddenly there's a baby in it. So we we got a picture of somebody's baby who's in it, and it was hilarious. And and the other thing that was funny one time. They're doing all this celebration, and I got a picture that the team's over there celebrating. These the, the TV guys over there. The cup is sitting by itself, nobody near it. It's hilarious, you know. Cups you should have gra you should have grabbed it and ran. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but they, but they said, hey, it made for a great picture because it's sitting there. It's like this is crazy, yeah. you know. But nowadays, and and the, the craziest finished to one of these from the standpoint of the on the ice presentation is in in um in uh when when the hurricanes were wanted and the team is really in charge of security and whatnot you know so this was i don't even know how long they were existing before they they got it but it was i mean it was fairly new this whole thing was very new to them and then it's like oh my god we won so they i mean i you'd have to count it but th there was when 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 the people came out 
on the ice, they let like 500, it could have been a thousand people on the ice. Like right away, it was like, this is nuts. So you're, you're navigating through, it, it's, it's like you're at some cas- crowded casino or something, all these people in suits, all these, and they're all out there and you're trying to find the different players with, you know, with the cup, but, but it was, it was the craziest thing anybody's seen as far as the amount of people on the ice at once, as far as, you know, that goes, but they were excited. So, you know, and that was, uh, and that, that was a decent one for, you know, and the, and the, also the initial guy that gets the cup, but the captain, I think at Brenda Moore was their captain. And that's another thing that could either go one way or another, because either you're going to get a good look and a good excited, a lift by the cut by the guy or you're going to get your a turn away away from us with nothing we've got that before then you got to start chasing people down to try to get people with the cup because at least you're banking on getting one good one of the captain to at least cover yourself see but sometimes that doesn't happen and you then you're really got to go find find them and, and make sure they get like i remember crosby not the first time he won but one of the other ones and it wasn't a very good one, and then you're then you're then you're following him around wherever he's going, and then the cup's following people around. Then some somebody's aunt has it, so you 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 don't want that, you know. You, you then you then you're going over, and you, then oh my god, he's going to get it again because you see someone taking it over to him. And then I remember uh, he was over by the glass, and you know out in the corner, and suddenly he has a cup again, and that's when he lifts it up and you get a good look, and they ran in on the cover, you know. So I I, yeah. could interview the Stanley Cup, Doug. Don't you think that would be great if we could just interview the Stanley Cup? Because it might be the only thing that has more stories than David. Yeah. Well, it, it it's it's great, and I, I I remember the first time that I got pictured with the cup, and and I'm going to share a story with uh, that Richard Zamboni. We were up in Vancouver, and um, I got my picture taken with it. Richard took the uh, pictures and then he had to tell me he lost the roll of film and oh. he saw the, the and I'm trying to fight back the oh my gosh I can't believe this just happened because this is Richard Zamboni telling me this and then it was like months later that he found it but it was after that we had gone to a uh, event that the Ducks had and I was wearing a I rented a tux for some event that they had I think it was Ducks and Tux or something and for some reason I rented a tux to go to the event and um, I have that picture, and then I have the picture of the first time touching it. But to, as, as a hockey fan growing up in Minnesota, um, th- which is the old state of hockey versus the new state of hockey out here in California, um, it is something that that trophy to me is the greatest trophy in all of sport. And yes, if it could talk, it would. And maybe that needs to be a, a cartoon, um, Stanley the Cup, and that would be a great deal of telling some of the stories. Uh, oh, oh yeah, the... it's, it's definitely the most recognizable. I mean, if you think about it and some of these places like the World Series is pretty recognizable, but some of them have been kind of redesigning theirs, thinking they want to make it more modern and that, you know, so there's only like three left that are, you know, well, the World Cup soccer, but the, the, the Lombardi, the, the Stanley Cup and the World Series, those three are pretty much standardized now. But yeah, like some of these, like the NCAA, some of those, they start making them more modern-y and they want to change them out. So but I like this, the history of the, the Stanley the Stanley Cup one. But, I love you know, the commercial, it's... David. Do you remember the one that they did that was like MasterCard or something? And it was actually not really intended, I think, to be a commercial, but the 
kid whose dad was blind and they would go to hockey games together and the kid would be telling his dad, like doing the play by play, telling his dad what was happening at the hockey games. And then I think MasterCard or one of the sponsors of the NHL got wind of that and they surprised them backstage and the little boy walking into the room, like I could just cry thinking about it, you know, and he's telling his dad that the Stanley cup is right in front of him and they're just bawling. And it was such, that, it, no, that, that's, that, that's, the, that's what the cup does, right? It's the emotional connection that people have with well, it. Well, and it's so recognizable and it's so intricate with all the names on it. Cause like all the other teams are, are those trophies are kind of one-offs. It's like they, you know, the world series trophy isn't a cumulative trophy. It's a, it's a trophy that they slap the name of the, who won it and they give them that copy of it and that's it, you know? So same with the, same with the, the Lombardi trophy. So they're kind of one off, you know, but it's the, the Stanley Cup is it, it's its own thing with all the history built onto it, where the other ones are just replications here. You know, here's your, here's your trophy. So, you know, that and that makes it different. I don't know any other trophy kind of like that. I mean, the Con Smythe is like that, too, you know, where it, it stays itself. But it's, at, you know, you add on the, the history as it, as it goes, you know, so um, it's it's why hockey is the greatest sport of all. Oh, uh, speaking of hockey. Yes, sir. Um, do you know anything about Minnesota? Do I know anything about Minnesota? It is yeah, my, the my, old, my, my, old state of hockey, and California is the new state of hockey. What else would you like to know about Minnesota? And I'll try well, to I'm answer it for tell, you. I was going to tell you one of my other favorite pictures. You know, you're talking about my favorite picture, that or my favorite cover. One of my favorite pictures, if you will, is also an NHL one. And it was the the Stanley Cup when they at the Met with uh, the Pittsburgh. Okay, now that's heart wrenching because Badger Bob was the coach of the Penguins back then when Mario Lemieux was with them, and yeah. that that would have been 1991 when the North Stars lost the Stanley Cup to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and actually should have giving them a better run because I believe they won the first game, had a chance to win the second game and didn't. And then the last game of when they gave the cup out, I was up in Brantford uh, at a meeting and I can remember watching that game and going, Oh my God, they, they, I think they won the game. Pittsburgh won the game about eight to nothing, but Badger Bob was his first gig as a hockey coach was at Minneapolis Roosevelt where I graduated from and Mike Ramsey graduated from. And Mike played on the 1980 Olympic team that won the gold medal in Lake Placid. And Reed Larson also played there. And um, Reed was one of the guests that we've had on our podcast. But um, go on and see if you can stump me about Minnesota questions. Or is that is that your little salt no, in the wound a, of being a North Star fan at the time? Well, saying, when I tell yeah, you I got the, to see this cup being handed out to the other guys. Well, no, when I tell you the picture, you if you want a copy, I can get it for you. But here's the picture is... And it, and it ran double double page in SI. And in fact, you know, it, so it's basically, I'm shooting, right, I, and, and this was shot, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what? This wasn't at the Met. This was at the at Civic Center. Um, it was at, it was at a Pittsburgh home game. But um, it's when Mario Mew came in on some kind of breakaway and just Deke Casey, I think it was, totally out of his pants i mean it's and it and it's great because you could see exactly what's happening a lot of hockey pictures you can't see exactly what's happening this one 
you totally can see it. And it's one of my favorite favorite pictures because, again, it's I would a one shot. I would love to have something like that. That would be an awesome picture. I would only accept it, though, if you're willing to autograph it. And are, are you telling me that he did such a great job of deking that John Casey might still be looking for his jockstrap? Is that what you're telling us? He's looking for his hairpiece. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, I do have I, I want to change topics just a little bit and see if you've ever gone to the greatest golf course on Mother Earth uh, down in Augusta, Georgia. Have you ever been given that assignment no. to go down there and shoot? No, I've done the, I've done the U.S. Opens a few times. I, you know, golf's one of those things where I'll do it whenever. But, you know, the, the, the biggest things, you know, I've done, like I said, I did the, the, the USA, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, open numerous times in the in the uh in the women's you know but you know that i haven't been to that um i think uh yeah i mean usually people that go to that are the people that say i got to go to that you know and that wasn't me i was the one saying i got to go to the stanley cup so that was my only that was literally the only event i cared about honestly i didn't care i go to the super bowl randomly I go to these other, you know, NCAA Final Four randomly, but I don't. I really. That's why I stuck with that streak of the Stanley Cup because I, I, I. That's what I wanted, you know. And there's other people that they have to go to these other championships, so you kind of just split them out. So. Okay, so one of your competitors, as I understand it, is Joe Photographer, and he uses an Apple iPhone 7 Plus. Can you tell us what equipment that you're using to? to shoot these days and are you still shooting any film or is it digital or are you doing both? Well, first off, one of the cameras I use is, is the iPhone seven plus. That's my go-to camera for certain things. So back in 2016, that's when I, I, the Apple iPhone seven plus came out in 2016, I think it's September. I could be wrong, but I think that's it. So anyway, they called me, and apparently Tim Cook wanted somebody to use the camera because this was a big upgrade in their camera from the six to the seven plus. It was a huge upgrade of resolution and the motor drive of it and all that. So they said um, they said he wanted somebody from SI to shoot the opening day of football season in an NFL game with just the seven plus. So I suddenly was Joe photographer. I'm on the sidelines in at the Titans Vikings game with the iPhone seven plus. And that's it. I was afraid I was going to get kicked off because they, they didn't kick people out for that, you know, because they, this guy doesn't belong there. So, so anyway, I, 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 again, I had to get acclimated to like figuring out what to do with this thing. Cause obviously, you know, it had some zoom capability, but not much. It had, you know, mainly it was, a, it was just a really good file you got out of it. So, so I'm, I'm doing this, I'm literally going around shooting pictures with this. I, I, I did a lot of pregame. I got a great coin flip toss, you know? I mean, seriously, I mean, it's, it's cause this had a fast motor technically, but then I'm, I'm trying to do when play came closer to you, the closer to the sidelines and that 
but the funny thing is and i know i know a lot of the people that are on the sidelines but then i don't know some of them either so people are saying to me like god this guy this guy over there is saying that what's the yahoo doing with that camera you look you know? like you just won a contest <laughs> to be on the sidelines no, or something it, people it, are totally, like who is this guy totally but 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 this was some maybe some local paper guy or some guy fly come in from some from some wire service that you know and you know it was just hilarious and so i'm shooting this stuff and i'm doing what i can and like i said i got a lot of good pregame stuff a lot of good you know tongue toss and 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 some some players along the sidelines but then this guy's coming in i forget i think it was uh, a titan guy he's coming in towards the corner of the end zone i'm in the front corner in the end zone and he's coming to my way so i'm getting this thing ready i'm trying to hold on to it it's got it's slippery it's an iphone you know and there's nothing to hold on to <laughs> And you can't shoot it. You got to shoot it horizontally because I knew it would be stupid to shoot it vertically. It would be easier to hold on to, but you couldn't. You couldn't get a good picture out of it because you'd have to crop a horizontal. And they wanted a horizontal kind of to, to show that. So here this guy comes in, and he goes flying over this other defender because he was running with the ball. So he's flying over the other, the, the defender doing this kind of somersault into the end zone and I shot the whole sequence. So I got, I got the whole thing. And, and so, so anyway, I, we sent these pictures in and they, and they kind of like, cause they wanted something that could actually, I, I got to back up for one second. So, so when they, when I, I said, I would do that for the, for them, they flew me out to, to, uh, to the, the Apple out in, out in uh, California. And you know their big announcement things where he's on the stage and all that. They they brought me to that. So I'm sitting there at that. And then after that was over, they took me in the back with these engineering guys. They told told showed me about the cameras. They gave me two of these in this bag, and they said, "Don't show them to anybody." No one had, you know, this wasn't out. See, so when I was using it, it wasn't out yet. And they they wanted this picture. So so that's that's how that started. So they flew me out there, and then and they they wanted me to go to that game. So then. Then that whole sequence, SI ran it double page in SI for kids, that and the whole thing, you know, the sequence, it was it was hilarious, all from the iPhone camera, and they were ecstatic. <laughs> Tim Cook said he loved it and whatever. So, did um, you get free iPhones for life? No, but I got those two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. I mean, I, you know, I mean, but but anyway, so that that was that was kind of interesting. Uh, but that so was that, Joe Photographer. So I, I, I uh, you know, that, that's my go-to if I need to, if someone requests that they has to be done on an iPhone. That that's, your ali that's your yeah. alias? Have you trademarked that? Not yet. But, I think but I then, think that's something you ought to. As far as other real equipment, the, the thing's moving so quickly that you, to keep up with it, you got to, you know, put a lot of money into it, and you got to also know when to get in and get out of stuff because the, the, some of the technology advances. But then it's like advances in advances in cars. You end up, you got to plan your attack. You can't just upgrade just because they say, "Oh, we got the new one coming out." Because, like on on like Canon, for example, he'll they'll come out with stuff um, all the time. And and but I wait for a model to come out where it makes such a good big difference between the model I currently use that it makes sense. 
because there's a lot of features that a hobbyist might like that I would never use, you know? We basically use it as basic cameras. We're looking for the resolution, we're looking maybe for the motor speed and maybe for some focusing speed, but we don't care about other uh, some of the other features. So, but the latest cameras that I use is the Canon 1DX Mark III, which is a great camera, and the Canon R5 um, is an R camera. It's a mirrorless. That's that's their their current high-end mirrorless camera. Which, frankly, I think most people most companies are going to start going to all their cameras mirrorless because there's a lot of advantages and you can incorporate the video in these things better and and whatnot. So we'll we'll see. And then I'm I'm also using the the latest in the Canon video cameras line. Their cinema cameras. It's, a, it's called a C70, and it's it's great you know it's really a, a good form factor a good you know it's a 4k you can do 4k 60 it's it's great and then they came out with a new set of lenses now there's they're they're coming out gradually now and it's called the rf series and i my favorite lens now right now is a uh, 28 to 70 f2 rf it's unbelievable you know so that you know they, they they're up in their game because uh, Sony was was up in their game and they're they're trying to trying to get it to be competitive and it's you know it's some great equipment now so so uh, do you have any Blu-ray or Beta equipment that uh, you jumped on mistakenly in your career or have you avoided those kind of pitfalls with equipment? Um, well. Most of that video stuff we're just getting into more recently because, you know, there was never a reason to have it other than, you know, but now with the web and with social media and that, it's relevant to be, you have the video, see? So all that has come and gone, you know? That was for people on vacation and that, you know? So I, I had some stuff with the, I forget the, the small, it wasn't beta, it was it was the, 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 the mini VHS or whatever, but and it was all right. But it's, it's tape, and it was like, God, this is irritating. You have to convert it to digital, and it just was never any good anyway. Nowadays, all this stuff, this latest camera is crazy good. David, See, knowing so, you, I envision this like large Costco-sized warehouse where you keep all of the things that you had in the past because you just can't part with them because they may, you know, well come back into uh, find favor. <laughs> well, <laughs> any, 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 any equipment. If you're keeping it, it's purely for nostalgia reasons because it doesn't come back because of technology. You know, that's the problem. And 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 frankly, that's part of the timing of of getting into other things. You know, like all that Hasselblad stuff, that was that was expensive stuff, all the Zeiss lenses. And here you're sitting on this. You have to you had the time. I, I stayed in film longer than most people because you know it, it digital. At some point, it surpassed film, but I was waiting for that. A lot of people started shooting more digital when film was still better technically. See, so I waited, especially if you were shooting Hasselblad. So that's when I waited to upgrade upgrade the, the cameras, and then I you would sell, you would trade in all that stuff and sell it because it still had serious value still, the amount of stuff we had. And I used to have some of it left. I have there was the stuff I'm having left. I, I it's here nostalgia purposes, like my first camera from from the hockey and some other random things. But but I also have a bunch of stuff I'll probably make some lamps out of or something, you know, or punk, uh, steampunk. So, you know. Okay, so one of my grandchildren decides they want to be the next David Clutho. 
what would you advise a young photographer uh, that wants to follow in your trails that you have blazed? What would you suggest that they do and concentrate on uh, to become the artist that you are? How can you have grandchildren? You're not even that. You're not that old. Only nine of them, David. Holy the cow! Old, the oldest one being 22 and being a sophomore in college. Holy cow! That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you when you talk to people, you know, and they say and they say, you know, I wanna I wanna be I wanna be in photography or whatever, and and it's like you kind of cringe because. You know, you know the, you know where, it, you know what's happened. It, it's, it's so many people. I, you know, my mom could shoot ho- uh, uh, shoot soccer pictures of uh, of her of her grandson at the uh, at the local hockey uh, soccer thing. You know, we mount a mount a tripod socket to her wheelchair, and and she could do it. You know, it's crazy. So there's so much out there that. And it's kind of, it's 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 saturated. It's it's competition kinda, but there's so much you don't even get competition until you get you know. So and it it, it sometimes dilutes the market too, because if someone's given pictures to the we're giving pictures to it to whoever you know. So then they you know it lowers the 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 ability for for photographers that are doing it professionally. So but what if you're if you're and and you there's ways to still be in the in the industry, but you got to position yourself better than everybody else see and that's what i did when i started in at si i positioned myself i had the stroves i had the examples no one else did so you got to do the same thing with this new world now of digital which is possible it's harder though because everybody starts on such a high level playing field with all the autofocus and the fast motors and you can you know fix everything in post all those factors come into all these people can do that now what i would do if i was somebody you got to be able to be marketable because right now everybody can go out there with their camera and 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 that's why you get uh, my famous example favorite example is you know people that shoot want to shoot something for a company for example you know i want to i want to i want to do stuff for 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 apple or not even apple i want to do something for this this local dealership or whatever and you say can i do pictures for you by well bob from accounting just got a new camera for Christmas. So we're going to have him do it. See, that's what you run into. You got so many people that are going to do it that way. So you got to separate yourself from that. And one of the things, one of the big things I see is you can, you got to combine video with photography because right now with social media and all these ancillary uses for stuff, if you could, if you only do photography or if you only do video, you're going to find that somebody wants both more than likely. You know, so that's one way to, you know, be able to have that ready in your toolbox is to be proficient in in uh, the video and photography and have the equipment to do both um, and become an expert in editing. You know, you got Photoshop and you got Premiere, but if you don't, you, you basically want to be a one man band because so many people want to hire a one man band. Because number one, oh, our budget doesn't pre- prevents us, so you can't have a big crew and a bunch of, you know. And nowadays with the equipment, that's the one thing it affords people is the ability to be out by yourself and get a lot of good stuff. You could have a gimbal, you could have uh, another video camera, you could have some still equipment. 
you, and you can go home and you can edit it down yourself. And then you can produce a, a short video and, and this, this set of pictures. And you, you did it all yourself, but you gotta have the ability. There is so many people that, that worked in the industry when I was coming up through this that had no, no desire and or ability to do editing. Now, I don't mean editing picking. I mean editing, fixing the photo so it's pre presentable, ready to go. You know, and that's important nowadays because you have to be able to deliver something, the end result to somebody, because a lot of people don't have the budget or resources to be able to, to you know, have you hire a guy or have them do it once you did the, the legwork of the, the, the video and the raw files of the photos. So that's, you have to have that. You have to develop that yourself, no pun intended, because that doesn't even apply anymore. Anyway, um, so you know, that's that's that's, that's kind of in a nutshell what what you got to do. You got to become a student of those two disciplines, including editing, and 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 just learn the he you know learn the heck out of it. You know. Well, that's that's sage advice, I think. I, I want to touch a little bit as I'm a a foodie. Have you ever had? Well, and you're St. Louis. You have to have the opportunity. Are you White Castle, yay or nay kind of guy? Um, but between the hours of two and six a.m., yes, because <laughs> it's been proven that White Castle actually increases its taste palate during those hours. So it it, it also helps to fend off hangovers, as I recall when I was younger. Well, maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know what? No, White Castle's, you know, again. I think McDonald's is getting a little, a little too close to White Castle because if you notice the, a few, a few, maybe last year they had they they had this uh, celebration of the Big Mac, so they they had the Big Mac Grand and the, the Big Mac and the you know whatever they have three versions, and it was hilarious because the current Big Mac is like a White Castle size. It literally is getting there, and the original one. They they were selling the grand or whatever. It was like the old one, and it was hilarious because you could see the 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 lineage of it, and it was it was it was nuts. I'm so, really gonna have to question if you two are related, Doug and David, because your food you you travel in the same food lanes, the fast food lane, anyways. Well, I I got I got to tell you, I, I'll go I'll go outside of the norm, and 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 I'll tell you things. Um, I think some of the some of the and, and you, with all the traveling, you're able to, you know, sample various cuisines, good, bad, or not, you know. Uh, but you're 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 already there, and and you know, different countries. Well, yeah, in the, in, the, in my travels, I think I'm up to, I think I'm up to 36 countries and six continents, and all 50 states, probably at least five times each, is in my repertoire. So, um, but my, some of my favorite ones are uh, Nagano, Japan at the Olympics. And I don't know if this is a, a native thing to them or not, but we go into this one place and we go in there a lot because basically it's, you, you, they bring out the giant hot rock and they put it on your table and you, you, you sear all kinds of meat items on this. Like you, I think that's we're all called cooking. Ishiyaki. 
and it's like a bunch of hot rocks and you'll put the meat right onto the stones and yeah it's, no and, and 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 it's good it's so good it, it's, delicious. it's just it's just it's like a uh what is that dim sum ish thing you know you just get a little they bring different things you ask yeah bring us that other one you know and 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 you just you just do that forever you know you just sit there and and do it that was really good um i i don't think we had any of the snow monkey meat but i think uh i think the other stuff was good anyway um the and the and and, and diners empire diner in new york city it's no longer exists unfortunately it was all the, it was always the one in movies they moved used it a lot Empire Diner on the 21st and I think 11th, and it was it was good. And I'm a big on the dine, the old time diner food. You got to have it's got to be a legit one though. The re, the reworked Denny's doesn't count. You know you can't just call yourself a diner or put up some stainless steel. Um, but these you have to have counter service. You have to have stools. That's that's a that 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 gets you more towards the legit. That's a rule. Okay, so have you been to Mickey's? On West Seventh in St. Paul, of course. Okay, how about the Villa Roma? That is a classic old caboose that they turned into an Italian joint. That Brian Stang, who's a drinking buddy of mine back in the day, also was in the rink industry for a while. He and I spent an evening there after a hockey game, consuming some pizza and maybe having a beer or two. Ever there? That's closer but to see, the XL. It's, you know, but it, it, but it's not. It's it's not legit. Oh, See, this place was have, legit. No, but it has to have the stainless steel old stools and the tile floor. I mean, it has to be, uh, you know, it's it has to look like a 50s, 60s diner. That's so this place got, did, and it hadn't been well, dusted. It, since the I 50s don't know or if 60s. It, did it have did it have the full <laughs> counter with with see that they the, the problem is I've seen those that 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 people bought and they turn them into something kind of else and kind of keep the old look, but it doesn't it doesn't wash because I'm trying to do a a, a eventually I'm doing a 3D book on diners and it's called the uh, it's going to be called like the uh, it's all going to be black and white and it's going to be, be called the uh, the um, uh, the uh, the dying American diner and then pause let's eat parentheses soon because it's <laughs> they're dying out I mean they're, the real estate those sit on are, are too valuable so so I've got a lot of them so far. I've I've got and I do them wherever I can. So that's another Chica thing. I, Chicago, yeah, I mean, you've been to the you've been to the palace in Chicago that is I think they've kind of expanded. It's not too far from the United Center. And if you haven't been to it, they had they would have like a ham hawk that was on the grill and they would slice pieces of ham off that to serve when if you'd order ham and eggs. Um, it, it's exceptional, and if you haven't been there, I'll hook you up with Danny Ahern, who is the Blackhawks ice guy who's been down there for uh, a couple of years, and he'll take you over there. And it, it's kind of famous. I think they've done a few movies in that place. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I love the old – it's just that's one of my things. And I will I will go places, and I'll say, is there any old diners? They have to be I – mean, I say, they have to be real. They have to have stools. And, the, like, the, the, the hotel guy will go, oh, well, yeah, there's a – and then you find them all over the place, but they're they're just dying out. So that's you know. But the other thing is, um, oh, uh, in Maui, Mama's Fish House. It's a, it's okay. on Maui. Okay, so I have a story about that. I have made reservations there twice, and neither time because my wife got ill when we were driving around the island were we able to go there. 
I've had friends of mine that that's like on their list. So it's it's a place that I should absolutely positively have to go to, but don't eat what when I go there. The turtles. <laughs> they actually serve turtles over there. You've never been there, right? Never. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's that that's that my my statement of don't eat the turtle is because they have an area there. They're right on the beach and the seating area has the sand come right up to it kind of. You know, but it's in you know, you'd have to be there. And but anyway, if you if you if you and you can look this up. If you go there and you look up the turtles have their breeding thing go on on that beach at, like it's like clockwork every at this same time every year or whatever and we're sitting there and they crawl up out of there and they're 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 coming up there i mean it's hilarious it's it's just a thing that happens right there you know so you might want to try to get the turtle turtle time so <laughs> maybe oh, that could my, be a new three a, a new 3d book david maybe but but, but, spe <laughs> but speaking of beaches the obvious one is the creme de the creme, Paradise Cove Beach Cafe. That's that's oh, the best it, restaurant ever. Is Jim Rockford's trailer still there in Paradise Cove? No, no, but I I can visualize Don't get where, him going, where it Doug. was. This is going to be I, a long, long podcast. No, I can I can I can visualize where it was, and I mean the restrooms are still there from the you know where where they were. I mean everything's kind of there still, you know. Used to be called the Sandcastle in the show, and you know, I I'm mean, gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go there because I've never been to the Paradise Cove Beach Cafe. When David comes into town next time, we'll all go there because every single time David comes into town, he lets me know when, and then he tells me what day I need to take him there. Uh, okay, so here, David, I, just, I have here. Hold on, I just I just took this off the the, the table behind me. <laughs> the I love that show. I, I love it's, that show. And when no, that show was it's, on, it's a whole TV. book. I mean, everything I, about it, everything about it is in there. Every episode is 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 taken apart. Are you, and all the the trivia. Are you the author uh, of that book? No, I just I, I just was showing you <laughs> because you're making fun of it. What's your favorite My, part of the show, David? My favorite and, part of the show of any of the shows is well, no, my favorite part is when the show is involving that restaurant and that beach area and the pier. Okay. You know what I mean? I like when they're, you know, when they're, you know, when they're when they're on that property doing stuff. I mean, obviously they 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 do the cutaway shots every night, you know, there's a trailer. But I'm talking about when they, you know, have the the show there, like when he was tasked to be the manager and and had to go check everything and there was people crime going on, you know, just the pier, that kind of stuff. Or when, my uh, favorite, my favorite part of that show was the start of the show when the phone would ring and his answering machine would pick up and it would be some obscure message for him, like your lawn, your dry cleaning is here, and if you don't pick it up, we're going to sell it at auction, kind of thing. I always loved the start of that show, and that was one of my dad's favorite shows. And when it was on MeTV. That and WKRP in Cincinnati were the two shows that I would tape from back when I was young so that I could watch, well, tape, record them or DVR wow. them or whatever it is. But most so, people wait. would be talking about Baywatch being filmed there, and you guys are talking about the Rockford Files. That might be dating us. 
One last question, and then we're going to have to cut this off because I'm actually going to have to go do some work. Um, really? But yeah. Are, are you a cheese whiz kind of guy? Because that's one of the things that I really enjoy. I love it on a authentic Philly cheese steak. And on one of the podcasts, that was my lunch as I was driving north to South Lake Tahoe. And we had Luke Robitaille on. And um, he could not believe that I was actually eating bread with cheese whiz. So are you a cheese whiz kind of guy or are you an Emo's I, pizza kind of guy? No, with that not gooey white crap. Okay. Good. Not not an Emo's because Provel cheese is just something about it. There's a texture issue, but the but the cheese whiz idea, I don't mind. But I I would eat, the only time I'd eat liquid cheese, let's just say, is I'll never eat it on nachos. Nachos has to be the shredded melt, but I'll eat the pretzels in it. You know the hot pretzels, and then you know the bigger you know I'll eat that with the. With the uh, with the cheese, the liquid cheese, and I like well, a spicy. It, I got a spicy it, version. Cheese whiz is not liquid though. It comes in a jar, and you can make it liquid. But it's oh yeah, like no. But I'm saying yeah. Everybody okay. that makes yeah. Okay. Like ballpark right. nachos. Yeah. Yeah. So so this morning this morning I had a half a ciabatta roll with cheese whiz and toasted the ciabatta roll and had the cheese whiz on it and it was spectacular for breakfast. Rest in peace, Doug. <laughs> oh, speaking of speaking of food, can I do one more McDonald's yes. reference? Yes. All right. So someone asked me this. Someone someone asked me how many times has my name been printed over these years in SI, and I'm thinking I don't really know. So I did a little unscientific math, and it turns out to be billions, because if you took like you know it's printed in the masthead, and it's like you know three million subscription. 52 year, you know, a year plus the, the, the you know, so it, it it's like, I, it was like 7 billion or something ridiculous because even, and if you get, if you get, say you got the, 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 the you got 10, five pictures, 10 pictures and the mass set, that's six. Okay. You multiply it that times 3 million or whatever the circulation times 52 and that's just one year. And you multiply that by 36 or 35. So I was, so I was billions. I got, I want to sign like McDonald's. So, well, I, th I think you ought to, and I want to, I want to uh, I, I ask you to partake in another one of these calls because I would like to get into more discussion about SI. Uh, to me, the greatest sports magazine that existed. I'm not quite so sure about it now, and that they're down to what they're not. They're doing like monthly publications. They're not doing weekly publications, uh, if well, I recall it's, correctly. Well, it, it, no, it's a monthly, but they had to. They can't. With the, with the way things hashed out with the internet, you can't they can't follow the news cycle, you know it's old news no matter what. So, but they, they their big mainstay back in the day was these big long stories about interesting feature stuff. See, and then they can get stuff that's unique content. See, right now they can't just because they rehashed the what happened in the game. Everybody just did that. But if they say, hey, we got a story on this guy and we're going to go out with him on this trip and he's going to show us the, you know, they got some things then. So that's what they're going to have dang, to do. These dang younger kids who can't keep their attention for more than three milliseconds that uh, is causing publications like that to, to suffer and not be able to be produced like they did back when we were young. Before we go, please let everybody know um, where they can find your books and things, because you've sent us some 3D books and stuff that our factory staff really uh, enjoy. I think what you even took a picture there in the factory, and we got to see ourselves in 3D. Some real fun stuff. So tell people how they can find that stuff. 
and that's not over by the way i got to talk to you later about something um okay so so i you know when si changed hands a lot of us started being able to do uh, other stuff in conjunction with si you know you know as far as we do si stuff but then we could also go off and do our stuff on our own so i created a a company called cave door productions and it has a web star, website and cavedoorproductions.com all one word cavedoorproductions with an s.com and it has it has a lot of galleries it's in progress now it's up but i'm still monkeying with it and it has a lot of galleries a lot of interesting galleries that are themed so there's there you'll have to you'll have to see it it's it, it's equivalent to some of these shows on TV that come up with themes for the weird videos, like uh, Rob Diedrich or whatever his name is for ridiculousness, and they say they I came up with themes to 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 put different sports into the same group, you know, like I have one called Well That's Gotta Hurt, and it's a football guy getting smashed, it's a it's a, it's a bicycle guy crashing, it's you know so that kind of stuff, and there's some there's some video content, but you know there's there's a lot to to you know. Oh, and there's there's swimsuit stuff on there from the. Oh goodness! Can issue. people buy your books there, or do they need to go to Amazon? Well, the books are on Amazon, and okay. and those are uh, under SI for kids, but they're not kids' books. I must warn you, they're they're regular. You know, we we made them not the kid looking. You know, so they're they're photo books basically. But there's they're three D books, and there's five of them, and they're and they come with two pairs of glasses, and they can be found on Amazon. Just do a search for uh, SI uh, SI kids 3d books or si 3d books i still think they come out come up so and that's about it great david we want to thank you very much for spending time with us today and our listeners i'm sure they're going to be fascinated to learn of your exploits as well as your alias joe the photographer we look forward to doing this again we want to thank everyone for listening into another episode of ask the zamboni experts podcast have a question for one of our experts or an idea for a future episode please email your questions or requests to info at Zamboni.com. For more information and additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Doug Peters along with Paula Cooney wishing you an ice day.